In roller derby, holding space is an empowering, often intimidating act of strength and strategy for oneself and or teammates. Holding Space, the podcast, clears the floor for conversations that touch upon race, class, identity, and privilege to amplify stories, build community, and make more connections in the skate world. Expect lots of smart, dope skate people musing about life on and off eight wheels and silliness. Can't forget the silliness that you never knew you needed and won't be able to live without. This is Holding Space with Magical Wheelism. Welcome. What's up, y'all? One of my favorite things about roller derby is meeting motivated people who are pursuing all types of passion and interests, not only in roller derby. I love getting to know my fellow skaters, what moves them, and what stories they bring with them onto the track. I feel like it's hardly a coincidence that we've been brought into each other's awareness to play a sport practiced by maybe a million folks around the planet. And my spidey senses have never let me down. Derby folks are fascinating. Today, I'm happy to spotlight one such person. My friend Leanne L. Dubs Wade Witz skates in Gotham Girls Roller Derby's Rec League program and is an on-skates official in the league. She works in television, plays the violin in a local queer-friendly orchestra, and recently rode 480 kilometers, nearly 300 miles, on horseback in an endurance race through Mongolia's Gobi Desert. All that and she has enough time to make her own kombucha. What? Thank you for coming on and speaking with me. No problem. Thank you for inviting me. You're so <laughs> rad. But in checking your like pre-interview form info info that I get, like that questionnaire that I sent you, yeah. I was like, this woman sounds like your responses were like, mad lib responses but like in the coolest way it was like like I'm a Brooklyn resident it was like roller derby kombucha play violin in the orchestra she is amazing I was trying to figure out like what to write and I was like this I don't I didn't know I didn't know what sounded good the truth sounds yeah Awesomer than fiction, frankly. <laughs> L-Dubs, you are the friend that's the silent one. And when they speak, they just knock you off the chair. Oh. <laughs> that's very I, nice of you to say. Of course. No. And like, so I remember, so we know each other through Gotham and Gotham's rec program. For the past few years, we have skated together and yes. become friends. Yes. And I recall one lovely, you know, after rec session, I was like, oh, I think you'd mentioned, you'd alluded to traveling. You were like, I was like, oh, that's dope. Where are you going? Yeah. Mongolia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> I'm going to go race. I'm going to go horseback riding through Mongolia I don't know come again I I, you know and then and then right after that I don't know how it came up but you were like oh yeah when I was on my motorcycle Uh, (laughs) I you know happened to go and do x y and z thing it's just like you are it's just a puzzle and wrapped in an enigma wrapped and soaked in kombucha (laughs) (laughs) I do love kombucha can you see it everything. I don't okay. know if you could see it. 
I see you have quite a lab. <laughs> yeah. I hope we discuss the kombucha we get yeah. into some K-talk. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> okay, I guess let's start from the top. Do you want to formally introduce yourself and give us your, your sure. background? My name is Elle Dubs, I, or Leanne. Leanne is my given name. How long have I been doing derby now? I started in the fall of 2016, been skating ever since, loving it. How did you learn about <laughs> roller derby? How did you find yourself at Gotham stores? So and explain I, what you do for them, too. A friend of mine told me I had to watch Whip It. I feel like that's, you know, the, a great starter. <laughs> So we watched it. I loved it. And then I don't know, like a year or two after we went to the Coney Island doubleheader, loved it. Um, And then it just took me a while to start getting involved in Derby. I don't know what the I don't I think I was interested in Gotham and I wanted to join, but I just didn't think I could do it. So I think I just kept putting it on the back burner like, no, like I, I, I can't do it. Oh, and then a friend of mine had a birthday party. And um, she was like, I want to go skate at one of the piers. And I was like, okay, I've never like roller skated on quads before. I had, I had only done um, figure skating as a kid. And I was like, let's see how this goes. And then it turned out to be really fun. I had a great time. And that was in the summer. Her birthday is in the summer. And then I signed up and I started in the fall. I was like, oh, this isn't too bad. Like I can kind of skate. I didn't fall. Like, oh, wow. And so you are killing it. Trying, trying. Killing it. That you have. You've been amazing. You generally jam for us, right? Is that okay? Jam. I've been doing a lot of blocking because I got, I my knee got a little weird at a drop-in. Mm-hmm. I like fell weird. So my knee felt kind of not good. And I've been doing more blocking. So then I started officiating in the beginning of 2017. And then I've been doing it for the past three seasons. I did NSOing my first year and then skate repping these past two seasons. Awesome. What's your experience been yeah. like derby wise? What was something that surprised you? Derby wise. Um, about yourself or just about everything? I guess just being like one of the only like Asian players like in, in rec league and like in the league in general. That's been like shocking to me, but like my whole life, that's been. What is your background? Been, my mother is from Taiwan and my father is from Germany. Yeah, but you know, my whole life, like I just, it, it's like weird to like think about it so much, you know. But like in Derby, like Derby has made me think about it more. You felt it more. Maybe it's just you know when I started Derby, it was like the month before Trump was elected, and then I feel like after he was elected, I definitely looked at myself differently and felt like other people were like looking at me differently. It felt more abundant rather than like, you know, growing up, I didn't think about it that much. And then now I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm like the only like biracial person here. It's fine. Even on the race, there weren't that many people of color. And I, I knew the that. Mongolians. <laughs> yeah, besides the Mongolians. And then like, a few, like it was like four, four or five of us. There really weren't that many. And it's just, it's hard because like, but I knew that going into it, but, and everybody was like really great about it but then just today like i heard some woman talking about like how bad the drivers are in chinatown and i was like i like looked at her and then she like stopped talking about it i was like why 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 are you talking about this right now yeah so i don't know i feel like post trump's election it's definitely made me think of how i look more so more more to others now than i than i did before so it's just been interest an interesting process and like in derby i see it a lot but at the end of the day I know that mm. we've had experiences that we've kind of shared. Mm-hmm. I remember there, like once 
was it in New Orleans that someone had made like a really weird comment about your eyes that like took you back yeah. to like put you on the spot? Yeah, what was that? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> you were like, really? Are you gonna say? I think oh, he called God. you exotic or something. Yeah, people love calling me exotic, and I'm like, please don't, please don't. Stop. And then like even at like family parties I've been to, they've mentioned it. They're like, oh, your eyes, and I'm like, uh huh. Yep. Thanks. Can we not? <laughs> yeah. Relatives. I'm like, ah. Yeah, like, and even at like RollerCon, like some weird things happened last year. It didn't happen this year, but I, I, I don't know. I guess it's just dependent. But like, you know, just waiting online with like, we were waiting online to get a taxi to the airport. And there was another Asian woman in front of us. And like, people just assume that I'm with them. Like the guy like handling the taxi was like, oh, here you both go. And I was like, I'm not with her. You know, I'm like, we're not all friends. We don't all know each other. Yeah, I don't know her. Like, we weren't even like, not that this has anything to do with it, but like, we weren't even dressed similar. Like, I was like in my like derby, like clothes, like very obviously, I don't know. But so that those kinds of things kind of make me go, hmm. It's weird because it's like on the one hand, you, what is it about being, I guess, like a person of color that you instinctively like kind of like scan the room to find people who look like you or, you know, find someone like relatable. And then when that doesn't happen, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm the different one. (laughs) Yeah. Me. Yeah. Ah, and why is it such a strange feeling it yeah. is and it's funny you should mention that because I've also I, f- I felt that I've definitely most acutely felt that otherness that difference when I've traveled for like mm-hmm. derby reasons or derby events in other parts of this country in the country and I think that like we need to kind of figure out a way to help people like our own like derby people like traveling while you know being yeah. a person of color in this country is like yeah it can be bordering on almost traumatic, like just kind of some sort of. Oh yeah, because you you had some issues too. Mental this year. Resource. Yeah, I had a run in with a TSA, oh, you know, agent. But it's like it boils down to like even just random white people like feeling that they could just cut in front of me or just say stuff oh. to me like strangers. It's kind of like oh. so. Yeah, I, I've been I've been trying to wrap my head around like how to create some sort of resource for that, you know? That would be like great. It could be really handy. There's yeah. there's got to be something to be done about that because like now that you mention it too, while traveling, I feel like it's a common experience that yeah. is another aspect that doesn't really get discussed in terms of like roller derby. That's <laughs> true. Coping. <laughs> I know you mentioned figure skating, and I obviously know that you can horseback ride. Did you have like an athletic childhood where you did you do a lot of sports growing up I did figure skating not like competitively or anything I would just take lessons and like skate around the like the local ice rink every week and then I would do horseback riding once a week as well has any of it like crossed over for you in terms of like your therapy experience now or found any of it to be helpful for you so I horseback rode from the age of like six to 14 and then I stopped for a long time and then around the same time I stopped skating as well And then up until I started derby again, I hadn't been active and I didn't work out or anything. And then finally, like when I started derby, I was like, okay, I have to start exercising because every week I kept being like really sore. 
like every, and I was like, this is not good. I should probably do something in the week during, you know, during the week. So I'm not like killing myself. I started taking rowing classes on a, on an erg. And then at one point, like at the end of one class, I talked to one girl and she was like, oh, I'm going riding tomorrow. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? And then she told me that she like rides at the stable in Jersey. I signed up to do that. And I took a lesson out there and then it just, I don't know, (laughs) kind of blossomed from there. And that it's like kind of like funny how it all came like full circle. I don't know, like how Derby like led me back to like horseback riding. To Derby. <laughs> yeah, to Derby. It's just like never ending. And I'm like, it's so weird. But. Wow. So der- roller derby is like the keystone habit or sport that sucks in all the sports. Well, and that kind of makes sense because you think about all of the people who like weightlift or yeah. I don't know just do yoga or like do all these other like cross trainy things mm-hmm. because of derby to improve in derby bowl skating. Oh yeah. <laughs> bowl skating. I wish I could like do more of that, but I don't, I don't, that's another, another day. I, I mean think. like, when are you going to sleep? Because we're, we're going to have know, to talk right? about there's your music. Yeah. There's so much to do. <laughs> too many hobbies. I don't know. <laughs> no. And so crazy. Derby brought you back to Derby and I don't know anything about horseback riding, unfortunately. So if yeah. you could tell me if there's any sort, do you do like a specific type of, that would be, would that be considered equestrianism too? Or uh, what, I think there's like, there's different styles. So mm-hmm. uh, I, as a kid, I didn't know it was called this at the time because I, I did um, Pony Club, but I mostly Pony did, Club. I know it's so cute. I, <laughs> I mostly did um, Hunter Jumper style. So I would do like dressage, jumping, like doing stuff like around the ring. And like, I don't, I don't even know if I'm like saying this right. I feel like people who do equestrian sports will be like, she's not. She doesn't know what she's talking about. But like as a kid, like, you know, they don't really tell you like, this is your discipline. This is what you're doing. It's just like, go out and ride, you know? Oh, and then we would do trail rides too. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you just don't know as a kid. And then the race that I did, it was endurance. And that's a whole nother facet of riding that I had. I didn't even know that existed either. So it's just crazy. Like how there's just so many things. It's. So you, as a kid, you didn't compete though. I did. I did. And like, you know, like, small like 4-H clubs like competitions Mm. nothing like big or major Mm -hmm. and then so this endurance type uh in the Gobi Desert (laughs) what was that similar to what you were practicing in Jersey or did you have to like bone up on it did you have to train specifically I'm sure because of like the amount of time you're on a horse it must have been really the woman that I the stable in Jersey I tried to I asked her I was like hey I'm doing this race can I train with you and she was like oh we don't really do that here so I was like all right that's fine and then um one of the the media coordinator and my the friend that I traveled out with she was like oh I have a woman we can train with I was like okay great and what so, did that entail? How long did you have to do that? What's the preparation uh, like for So for I definitely should have prepared more <laughs> looking back on it. And I was definitely like the most underprepared person there. But <laughs> um, I did two short like rides that were like two and a half hours each, I want to say. Mm, and the first mm-hmm. one went really well. And then I kept trying to schedule more rides, but the weather was like, I, you know, I didn't want to get like rained on or anything. And then the second one I did, we got completely rained out. It was awful. Mm. I got bug bitten terribly. It was so where bad. would the, Where would you do that kind of horseback riding here? Uh, like in Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had to drive out to Jersey. And so when did you decide that you were going to 
do this race? And is it like a well-known race? What made you like, how did you hear about it? For some reason, I signed up for like this Manhattan tax shop just to- What is a tax shop? (laughs) Oh, what is a tax shop? Yes. They have like, uh, it's like a store where you can get like horse, horseback riding, like outfits, gear, like, yeah, that kind of tack is like the saddle, the bridle, that kind of thing. I don't okay. even know if they sell those things. I think they do. I'm not I sure. I saw in the press release PDF that you sent me, like, do you yeah. have a favorite local tech shop? And I was like, mental note. And I've never even been to this tack shop. I just signed up for their newsletter. Huh. And then like one day the, the media coordinator, she wrote a book and she was going to do a reading there. And then they mentioned that she does the, the media for this rot for the Gobi Desert Cup. And I was like, oh, what is that? And then I clicked on the link and then like the rest is, is history. Obviously. And how long ago, like when does, how long does the sign up process take and the registration process and all that stuff? That I, I think I reached out sometime in April and then I signed up. Like I applied thinking that I would get denied. And then like within a week I had signed up. That's amazing. So, yeah. I was just like, okay. Like I, the founder was like, okay, you just have to promise me that you're going to train like, and like be ready. And I was like, okay, like I'll do it. Like I'll do whatever it takes, whatever. And she was like, all right. She was like, here you go. Like sign up. And then I just started making, there was like payments. So we had to make payments and stuff. So is it an arduous sort of vetting process or like does it what are they looking for in a in a writer I you know I think I just had to fill out like a questionnaire like what is your discipline like how what is your background that kind of thing and I think they make a decision based on that so there were 24 of you is that right uh 21 we didn't have the full 24 yeah okay and so and then you land in in Mongolia. In- yeah, we landed in uh, the capital, Ulaanbaatar, or UB, as everybody kept calling it. Uh huh. And how far is the start, the starting point? It was like, uh, well, it was like a four-hour drive, four or five-hour drive from wow. UB, from the city. Yeah. Wow. So tell me about the experience. Tell me about. It's wild. I, I'm still trying to, so I came back uh, two weeks ago on Saturday, this coming Saturday, it'll been two weeks. And I'm still like, I don't know, trying to figure it out. Like, I don't, I haven't even like processed it. I thought I did at the time. I, I got like really emotional at the end of it, but I don't, I, I loved it. It was great. It was so hard also. And I'm just, I don't know how I did it every day. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how I'm alive. (laughs) So cool. I'm, but I mean, like, if you think about it, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm just going to go first back riding on my own. And the, yeah. the, you know, you're like, your family has been like, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I hope people, you come, like, see you, see you later. Come back. Yeah. <laughs> my, my boyfriend was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, are you kidding me? He was like, you're going from zero to like, a thousand he was like I don't think this is a good idea like are you sure and I was like it's fine it'll be fine and my parents were like really supportive of it my boss is really supportive of it it was just and then everybody in Derby of course is like yeah it sounds rad (laughs) it does what was your motivation for doing it was it the thrills was it the seeing the world was it the horse I mean, ever since I stopped riding, I've been wanting to ride again. So just like having that experience, I was like, oh, okay, this will be great. I've never been to Mongolia. 
So I was like, this is a, a great opportunity to be there for like two weeks to like really be there, you know, and see then, the site, like to go across one yeah. to the other. Yeah, that's amazing. In reading it, it was like, what, close to 50 miles a day on horseback? Yeah, 50 miles a day for six days. And then we did two 10Ks for training days before that also. So in all, all in all, it was 500 kilometers. So it was like a little over 300 miles in total. So uh, it was like, it was a good mix, but a lot of them had um, like, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of them have their own horses, like multiple horses. And like in New York city, I'm like, where am I going to have a horse? Where were people from? They were mostly Um, from the States. There was a good mix. I think like a good chunk of us were from the States from like here, there was me, me and my roommate. So she was, she was from New Jersey and then, Did you know her um, ahead of time? No, we met once before. We got brunch. That's that was cool. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up rooming the whole time together. And then a few folks from the, the West Coast, from like Seattle, Portland, um, San Francisco, a former derby player actually went. You're lying. No. The I was derby like, world is so small. And she, yeah. And she <laughs> knew one of our refs also. No. Yeah. And then like somebody else, like another one of the Gotham players was like, wait, do you know? They're like, do you know her? And I was like, yeah, she was there. She was great. That's incredible. Yeah. And she, yeah, she was really wonderful. And she, she actually stopped playing derby because of a concussion. So she got into horseback riding. So she's, she's really. As an alternative to derby. Yeah. As one does. Yeah, you know, no big deal. <laughs> um, and then who else went? There's one la- one lady from uh, London and then a couple of folks from um, South Africa and that region. And then some New Zealanders, some Australians, and uh, a woman from Hawaii as well. Were there different like sort of like st- writing styles and differences that y'all picked up from uh, each other that oh, way or tips and what have you? Uh, I, I was like looking at the, at the riders, like just being like, oh, how did they, you know, how did they ride? Like, and just kind of like, yeah, there were definitely some interesting styles there. There was a French team as well. Forgot to mention that. And then um, I would just watch them and like, you know, we're riding there in like these like heavy, thick, like hiking boots mm. with like half chaps. And like, I feel like for the French team, they rode in like sneakers mm. and regular pants and they were fine, but they had a lot of uh, endurance background and the French team won. So the boots would, why would they choose to, why would one choose to ride in sneakers versus the boots? Like if I would have seen them having success with boot sneakers, I would have. I know, like, I, I know. I thought <laughs> about doing Nikes. it. Yeah, <laughs> I had a pair of sneakers, and I thought about doing it, but I was just so worried that like it, like the friction would like bother me. But I think it's just I I've heard my friend, my roommate, she mentioned that a lot of people in endurance ride with sneakers because it's just more comfortable, or just like yeah, it's just I more think it'd be lighter. Yeah, because you're on it, you're on the horse for so long. So like you, obviously, like this took a lot of exertion. What were the, like the pain areas or what was the hardest part in terms of like physically like <laughs> dealing <laughs> with this? Like, and what would it, so how long did it take you to do the, the 50 kilometers per day or the 50 miles per day? It, it varied depending on the horse you got because every day we got a new horse. Um, so some days we, you know, some people had really fast horses. Some days we had really slow horses. So I think it all, they gave you 12 hours to complete it. From, so we started every day around like 7.30. 
And then uh, we, we would have until like 7.30. But that's, it's just too long, I think. And I think um, like we were averaging like six to eight hours a day, something like that. I think the longest day, I know we had a really long day on the second day. And we got in at like five or six or something. And I was like, that it was too much. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then it was like on the last day, my horse is really fast. And it was like six hours. So what um, do you like? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. I You you asked me about what like the, the soreness on the yeah, pain. The what was it like? The physical aspect of it. Take me there. What was that? My ankles were killing me. Your and they, they yeah, they're oh, still. You're, because you have to have to be like tippy toed almost like I so my stirrups weren't like set up correctly so I was kind of like my feet were set up like in not a good position so I was kind of like standing up the whole time um but like just like the friction or like the force of like your ankle just hitting like all day Mm -hmm. so that like that really hurt but my ankles were bouncing yeah it was just like nonstop. what else hurt I chafed really bad I thought I would be okay but I didn't. I brought this thing called body glide with me and it did not help. Your body didn't glide. <laughs> it did not glide. <laughs> and then I think like days four, five, and six, I couldn't wear underwear anymore. Ooh. I just gave up. I was like, I can't because it was like, even as thin as it was, as my underwear was, it it chafed too much. So I just, I got, I... And it was, it was so much better after that. I was like, had I known, I just would have done this for the, like the whole time. So. Beginner's curse. Yeah. And then what else hurt? Like, yeah, my butt just hurt. Inner thighs hurt after a while. We wore hydration bags, mm-hmm. like a camelback. And then that would be constantly like bouncing on your back. So my shoulders really hurt. But, you know, after a while, you just kind of, we were all taking like ibuprofen and stuff and getting through it like it was fine like once you're on the horse like doing it but as soon as you like stopped moving that's when like you were like oh it's like derby you know once you stop moving it's like mm-hmm. oh, you wake up and it's it's real painful what would go through your mind while you were riding and once you'd like taken off and what I, I, it was every day was so different it was so weird depending on the horse so like on the first day like I was riding with a friend and like, it was fine. But then by the end of it, we both got really tired and like day two, like we all had slow horses, you know, and then on day three, what else, what ha- I had a really good horse. Is having day. a slow horse better or worse in terms of like the toll it takes on your body? Because obviously you're not going to like be competitive. Yeah. I think, I think for this it's worse because like it would get so hot in the afternoon and then if the horse is already slow in the morning, then it's just like the whole afternoon was like a slog mm. and it was, it was real rough. So it kind of worked out better. But like when you have like, you know, when you're riding at 730 in the morning and you have a horse that just like a lot of these horses just want to go and like they trained them as race horses. They trained 150 of these horses and they trained them to just like be in the front of the pack. And then like, but like to have that early in the morning, it's just like a bit jarring and you don't know if like, for me, that was like a big thing for me. I, I was worried about not having control. Uh, the first few, yeah, oh, the training day on the second training day, 
I had like an insanely fast horse, a re- like a legit racehorse, and I couldn't control him at all. We did the 10K in like 40 minutes. And I like got off and I started, I started crying oh. and I was like, I don't know if I can do I was like, oh my God, like this is insane. It terrified you. It shocked you. Yeah. Cause I had no control. And like my hand, like I had like terrible blisters from like just holding on so hard. And then they had, they had three different categories. So they had like a lightweight, a heavyweight, and then a timid category. So then after that, that training day, I went into the timid category. But it's still, it didn't matter. Self-placed or, or they self-placed. were like, let's put you in the <laughs> Yeah. They were like, think about it. Like, let us know what you think. And then I was like, uh, I would like to be a timid horse, please. Yes. Um, but even that, even then the horses were still fast. Mm. So I'm like, I, I had three, I had two, two horses were fine. I had, and then I had like three fast horses. And then I had one really slow one that was for like children, I'm pretty sure. And that day was the worst day. I came in dead last that day. Yeah. So every day was just like a challenge because you just don't know what's your, what kind of horse you're going to get. And then you don't really know until the lunch, until, because we had to break at the 40 kilometer and then we'd have to pass a vet check and you just don't, you don't. Up Which until is like halfway. Point, yeah. Halfway. Yeah. Cause we would do 80, 80 kilometers every day. So then up until then you don't really know how the horse is doing. Like, you don't know how fast you're going to go. And then you're like racing with 20 other people on top of it. It was just, it was a lot like mentally more than I thought. And then it was also much more competitive than I thought. Like I thought it would be like a little more chill. I was like, Oh, 50 miles for 12 hours every day. Like it'll be fine. And then like the French team were really like really competitive. And then a few other folks are really competitive as well. Did people have some sort of like stakes, like monetary stakes or something? They were just really competitive, just naturally like. Yeah. Because I think some some folks like I think some folks on the French team were like they did endurance like, you know, as like full time or something. So but there was no money. I mean, we got like the winner got a trophy and a saddle. I got a belt buckle. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Did you find that the people you were that were in the race with you were like of like horse professions or just like work uh, with horses often? Or was it just also like a, a passion? It was it was a mix, I'd say, because some folks have like um, one the guy from South Africa. He he has his own business. There was another woman who did um, polo. And like does horse trips, but for different disciplines. So it really depended on the person. And then I think some people just wanted to like go and have like a good time and like have a good adventure. Yeah. You know, I like understandable. Yeah. I'd like a good challenge. So yeah, I just wanted to see if I could do it. (laughs) And you did it. That's amazing. I know that you you just mentioned the vet and I and the the material you gave me it kind of spelled out how yeah. the horses were cared for and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is probably a concern for people. Did you observe what did you observe in terms of like how the horses were treated and how everything was run? Yeah, the horses were great. Like we had a herdsman, so a lot of the families that came in, I forget that they had um, a bunch of families come in and they brought their own personal horses, so they were like in charge of their horses and they, like they were very well cared for and then they they trained them for three months before the race yeah the horses were great the vets were great like we all kind of like turned into this family I wasn't expecting and like everybody helped helped each other out you know everybody comes from different walks of life and everybody has different horse experience 
but like everybody was so helpful and like if we were like hot they would help us like on those long days we would come in they would like immediate those who finished before would like help us immediately and like get us like checked out and get the horses checked out like quickly and it was just yeah it was really great what ages were people i was one of the younger ones i think it ranged from there's a guy from kuwait i think he was 20 and it ranged up to like 50s i'd Mm. say mid 50s so like 20 to mid 50s okay yeah so it's a good a good mix great and so what was the what do you think the biggest challenge for you was i can't know i can speak too (laughs) you're doing great (laughs) (laughs) the biggest challenge doing it and completing it because every day i was like doubting myself i was like oh i shouldn't be here like I have the least amount of experience out of all these people. Like I didn't, I didn't prepare enough. Like I'm chafing so bad. I was like, I can't, some of the horses I couldn't really handle. So I needed help from other people. It was just like that, that challenge of just like getting over it and like getting through it every day. That was probably the hardest thing to do. But then, you know, on the days that I had those fast horses, I just let them go. And those were the best days. You just, I was like, well, I'm just going to listen to the horse because everybody else would like try to give you good hints and like feedback and stuff. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's just you and the horse. Those, that was like the happiest times, like just like riding and being like, all right, see you later. Like I got it. And that made me feel much better. So that's how you conquered that. You kind of just like went with it. Yeah. Ignored the, the inner voice, the fears, yeah, yeah, the talk. I know you said you're still processing this. Do you think that there are any sort of like lessons or, you know, things that could transfer over into your skating and your derby, derby. experience? Probably just like get out of your, get out of my head. I'm always struggling with that. It's like, should I be here? Like, am I good enough to be here? Am I strong enough to be here? Am I doing this right? Like all those, all that like inside internal monologue, it's just like and then you just have to like turn it off and do it it's so hard to do it though I still struggle with it so much but definitely doing this has helped I'm just like well if I can do a 50 mile race every day for six days then I can play some roller derby 300 miles through the Gobi Desert be like I got this Yeah. So I just need to like keep reminding myself, like you did this thing. It'll be okay. Turn off the internal monologue and just like do it. That's so hard. So hard. (laughs) Have you been back? Did you, have you started back up? You, yeah. I, uh, when when did I go back? I, I went last week. Last Saturday. And how was that since returning? Oh, it was pretty tough. <laughs> it was pretty hard. And then I went to the boot camps on that the Sunday after. And that was pretty hard too. And then what uh, was hard about it? You know, I hadn't worked out like worked out in like the traditional sense of what, what I do here. I hadn't taken like a workout class for like two weeks. So like in my in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm not like in shape enough to like be playing derby right now. Like maybe I should have taken more classes when I got back, but I'm so tired. Like my ankles hurt. Like, should I like, I was like, should I take it easy? You know, just turning that off. No, I And it was you. fine. Like it was fine. It was fun. That's just awesome. gotta have fun. That's what it is. It's all about fun. It's just so hard. Speaking of fun, you are also a violinist. Yes. So I started playing the violin when I was nine. I started on the piano, actually, when I was six. So when I was a kid, I did piano, figure skating, horseback riding, and then violin. 
those are my main things. Were your um, parents the ones who encouraged you or were you like, mom, I want to do all of the things? Uh, I think piano, they just kind of like signed me up for it. I know for horseback riding, my mom, I remember my mom specifically asking me, do you want to do ballet or horseback riding? And I was like, horseback riding. So that I, I made that conscious decision. But piano, they just signed me up for it. And they were never like too hard on me for it. I never want to practice. So I took lessons from all the way when I was six, all the way up in until high school for piano and they you know so you must you you're still able to play the piano i'm sure yeah it just takes a while because with the violin you only read one clef but for the piano it's two clefs Mm -hmm. it's difficult to i just need to spend more time on it you know so yeah so then i started playing the violin and i played it all the way up from you know elementary school middle school high school college and then i kept playing after college also and i'm in a queer friendly community-based community orchestra here in New York City. How did you come to that orchestra? I looked them up on Craigslist. Yeah, because I, after I graduated college, I was still playing in my college's orchestra. And then it just, it wasn't like really like a good fit anymore. I just needed to be with people that actually wanted to play versus like students not wanting to play like late at night. So then I just looked up like orchestras in New York City on Craigslist. And then I found Quo and they don't have auditions, which is another thing I hate. I hate auditions, like anything where I have to try out or do auditions. Is like a mental, a mental thing where I'm, I just freeze up and I freak out. So the good thing with Quo is they were like, oh, we need string players. So then I, I just joined in, when did I join? When did I say? 2011. So I've been with them ever since. Seven years. Eight yeah. years. I can yeah, math. Eight year, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I joined in the fall of 2011. And so, and how often do you all practice and perform? Once a week. They actually just came back and I'm not playing in this next concert. Their next concert is like October 19th and with Gotham tryouts and everything coming up, I was like, I'll I'll come back for the next one. Because mm-hmm. it was just it was just a little bit too the music was the rep is a little bit too much. They're playing Harry Potter, mm-hmm. which I've always I'm playing I'm wearing a Harry Potter shirt now. And I've always wanted to play, but it's it would and I needed to not have something else to worry about mentally. So I've opted to sit out this concert. I'll go I'll go to it for sure and go woo in the, in the audience. Just like that. <laughs> so yeah, woo. And like, yeah. <laughs> They're going to be like, who is this person in the audience? And I'm going to be like, it's me. <laughs> how big is the orchestra? Uh, how big? Uh, I think like it's a full symphonic orchestra. So about 60 people. Do you all travel and perform elsewhere? Or is no. it mostly local? Mostly local. All right. Yeah. That's awesome because it, it's it's a passion. It's just yeah. for the love of it, right? Mm-hmm. That's really wonderful. And it's a good mix of um, like people like me who do it as a hobby and then like semi-professional and professional musicians too. That's great. That's so the cool. yeah, the range is really good, and everybody's so good. Everybody's really nice. Like we're like a little family. What type of music do you all play? I know you just mentioned Harry Potter. We do a mix of like classical and new and contemporary. What are the crossovers between your orchestra work and your skating and derby work? Is that does that inform itself in a way? I want to say yes, but I I don't know how. I'm trying to think of how they mix or how how they cross over together. I get maybe just the focus. I really like 
the rehearsals where I can just focus in on something and just focus in on the music and just block everything out. And I feel like with Derby that, you know, you could just focus. I'm going to focus on this plow stop. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to focus on this jam and then it's over, you know, that kind of thing. Do you find that you're just that type of personality that has, or that has so many like different sort of curiosities and loves to have so many things, different sort of activities and interests going on? Um, you know, I feel like I didn't for a long time. And then once Derby came into the picture, now I'm just like, oh, let me do this. Let me try this. Let me like, it's just like open the doors to like be more like curious, be more adventurous. Because I feel like when I, when I first graduated college, like I started working in TV shortly after that. I moved to the city. I didn't really know a lot of people. What was your major? Communications. Ah, okay. With concentrations in film and television. And then I minored in music and religious studies. What would you what would your advice be for someone who is trying to who's trying to bring in more hobbies and integrate more, you know, different sort of things while doing derby? Because obviously derby has the potential to consume yes. <laughs> all of one's <laughs> resources. It, it's true. So, <laughs> um, you found how have you been able to manage how you allot those resources via, you know, energy, time. I was just going to say, trying to find that balance is hard. I don't know. Just listening to my body, I feel like is really important. When I'm like too tired to do something, I'm like, instead of like trying to push through and do all the, like setting out this concert is like a good example. I don't think it'll be good for me if I do it. So I'm just going to sit out. Not that I don't want to do it, but it's just better for me. You know, just finding a good balance and like making making sure like you're not like overdoing it and like, you know, making sure you rest enough, like do and do things that are fun. You know, like I, I love to go see movies a lot. So just trying to time in like, all right, I'm going to go see this movie with my boyfriend. I'm going to see this movie with my friend, but like not like overdoing it and like not having fun with it. So being intuitive and listening to your body and, you know, and take the rest when you need it. Like nobody's going to be mad at you if you don't if you rest. Yeah. And do you have a favorite team? Is that- I mean, Gotham's great. <laughs> <laughs> Ever obviously, heard of them? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I love Gotham. Who else do I really like? Uh, Crime City Rollers is great. What about players in particular? Do you players. have any favorites? I love Shorty so much. She's great. Yeah, shortstop. My last question is... What about an MVP? I always like to ask people for a person, uh, organization, business, issue, cause that you love that for whatever reason. Well, since we talked about the Gobi Desert Cup so much, I think my MVP would be Camille Champagne. She's okay. the founder of the Gobi Desert Cup. Tell she's, me more about her. She's amazing. She's from Australia, but I believe she she's also French. And then, so she, I applied to her and spoke with her. Uh, before the race and I had I didn't speak with like I didn't speak with her verbally over the phone I had just emailed her so I wasn't sure what she'd be like like meeting her and then meeting her in Mongolia I realized that she has the driest sense of humor but she's also she's like she's badass I and but she's also so caring she brought her daughter with her to the on the trip um she was adorable (sighs) yeah she's just badass she was in the Mongol Derby she competes in these, you know, long endurance rides. Has and is like a working mother. She manages like or the race. It's just I. I'm just like I'm still astounded by her and everything that she does. What made her create the race? 
I feel like there was something there. I think she, so she competed in the Mongol Derby and then I believe she met one of the locals and they talked about doing this race that like benefited and helped out the nomadic uh, families and people of Mongolia and like really highlighted that. And I, that's how it was born out of this, out of the Mongol Derby. Rather than just being like a race, it was more like about the people. Thank you so much again for speaking with me. Yeah, thank you again for asking me. I'm very flattered, very humbled. I hope I didn't say anything stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I'll be laying in bed later being like, why? Why did I say that? All right, folks, well, there you have it. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Special thanks to L-Dubs, the Gobi Desert Cup, and Queer Urban Orchestra. The outro music is a piece of Johann Brahms's Symphony Number no. 1, excerpted from Quo's May 30th, 2015 concert, Music That Leaps Off the Page, Inspiration. Holding Space with Magical Realism is now available on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube help support the pod by subscribing and sharing it with friends rating and reviewing on apple Podcasts also helps others find us i am modega cat on instagram and twitter the music in the intro is latin rhythm by sun searcher and the cover photo is by james corbett of epic life images 